Welcome to our origin series. My name is Gabe Perez, the youth pastor here at First Prez, and this is the First Prez OC podcast. We are currently in week two of our origin series because we were not able to uh, record last week's lesson, and as you'll find later on, we actually had um, some issues with some recordings uh, being cut short towards the end of our lessons. So, unfortunately, we had some technical issues. Eventually, we did get it figured out, but uh, these first few weeks end up getting cut a little bit short, and we don't get the full entirety of all the worship and all the lesson uh, in our recordings. But we did our best, and towards the end, I do a little summation just to be able to kind of finalize the things. So, you guys still get the meat of it, you guys still get the majority of what's going on, but it does get cut short a little bit. But hope you guys can enjoy, hope you guys are blessed, and you guys can join us as we walk through the life and ministry of Jesus as we go verse by verse all the way from beginning to end through the gospel of Mark. So hope you guys enjoy. Um, Isaac, would you care to pray us into some worship, my guy? Sure. Thanks, man. Lord, uh, help us worship, get us really focused on you, and then the lesson, let us learn whatever Gabe has in store. Amen. Amen.
that being said, this week we are moving on to the second part of Mark chapter 1. So yes, we are still in Mark chapter 1. Because believe it or not, the Gospels have some like like What's 60 day? long verse chapters. So it's a lot. What's day? What's day? The 11th, dude. Oh. There we go. All right. All right. Um, so the nice thing uh, about... No, 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 All right. <laughs> So in today's in today's world, it's actually really nice because we have a big foundation of information and knowledge and insight um, into almost anything. Like if you want to know how to do something or how something works, or you want to kind of get a little bit of experience in a specific area, specific action, whether it be in some kind of intellectual pursuit or whether it be a trade like welding. If you want to learn how to be more athletic or work on athletic skills or understand how bikes work. Or anything like that. Like, if you have any subject you can think of, you can pretty much go on the internet and find out about it in an instant. And you can literally go on your phone and find out almost anything you would like to know. We live in a very unique time where we actually have, like, unbelievable access to an insane amount of information. Um, and people have probably been saying that since, like, the 90s whenever, like, the internet first came out. But, like, now it's, like, even more accessible and even more better. And there's more information that's been able to put out out there. More better, exactly. More better is correct. Um, so the thing is, what we can look at someone else who's already done something. We can look at someone else's experiences, right? And we can actually, because they've already done it and shown us the path, we can actually follow in their footsteps. It's nice because you just go on YouTube and someone's like, hey, bro, I like figured out how to do this really cool thing with my mountain bike. And you're like, dude, that's awesome. And they're like, what shocks did you use? How does that work? Where can you get those? How often, does it, how often do you need to replace them? You get all that information, like, already ready for you. You don't have to go through the process to figure that out. It's already laid out for you and you just have to follow along and you can catch up to where someone already is. It's really nice. Um, and the thing is, we can also do that with our faith. If you think about where we're at and like understanding our relationship with God, we have the same opportunities to do that same thing because we have like elders and teachers and your parents and pastors and deacons and just other believers within the church that we can look to that might have a few steps ahead of us in their faith that we can look to and follow behind. They can tell us, hey, I've already done that, or hey, I, I did that and that wasn't good, or hey, this, was, this really helped me, or this was awesome, or this was terrible. And we can look to others and their faith and their experiences and their relationship with God, and they can say, dude, I've already, I've already been there. And we can kind of follow in their footsteps pretty well. And it helps us in our faith a lot because we don't have to necessarily go through every single thing to learn all those things. We can talk to somebody else who's already done it, someone who already has shown us the way. And it's amazing because not only can we do that with people, but we actually have that directly with our faith, the origin of our faith, the source of our faith with Jesus himself. We can actually follow step by step of what Jesus' life was like. More specifically in the New Testament and even more specifically in the Gospels, which tell us all about Jesus' life. He showed us the step-by-step -step way of how to live our faith. It's a little bit what we talked about last week, how Jesus always had that relationship with God. Obviously, he was God, but like he submitted himself to God the Father. And then in doing that in baptism, it may not necessarily make sense because he's baptizing himself into himself because he's mm -hmm. God. But it was a public declaration of his ministry to the world. It was the beginning that everything everyone saw from that point forward was for God and God's ministry, God's kingdom here on earth, right? So that was the foundation, the beginning of it. And he goes off to be tempted. And, you know, like I said, 
we were kind of walking through that last week, but like the gospels are kind of a way for us to see how Jesus lived, what he did, what, what Jesus' heart was like, how he spoke to people and how he went about situations. And we can look to what Jesus did and what Jesus said and how Jesus handled things. And we can learn from what he did. And it's amazing because to me personally, I, I like Mark a lot. And that's why we're walk, walking through Mark is because it's very straightforward. Jesus did this and did this and did this and did this. And obviously we talked about the Gospels have a different focus and Mark being very action-oriented and very uh, focused on how Jesus did things and how Jesus served, how Jesus was a servant of the people. And so we can look at that um, and just really follow along with what Jesus did in his life. So um, it started off obviously with him being baptized, dedicated, um, and then that's right where you know, he gets tempted in the desert. And after he gets tempted in the desert, his ministry starts like then he starts hitting the ground running going freaking crazy <laughs> and it seems like very quick because the you know books of the gospel are actually covering three years of Jesus life so we can read it like front to back and we're like wow Jesus did a lot in so little time but it actually is covering years of Jesus ministry here on earth but we just get like little snippets of little stuff in between that we actually get a picture of but they give us a great picture of what it's like to walk in faith here on earth because Jesus is the ultimate example for us to follow. So that being said, that's what we're jumping into today um, is after that public declaration of his faith. So we're going to read Mark 1, 14 through 20 is our first little passage here. All right. So it says, after John, this is John the Baptist, after John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee. Oh, sorry, real quick. I'm going to, a little side note. So these little small verses in the bottom here, um, those are all, those are, passages where you can find this same story in other gospels yes those would be helpful for you guys to understand that like we're reading this out of mark but it's not exclusively in mark that we're reading this some of these like passages in like matthew mark luke and john some of them they have the same telling of what jesus did right so they tell the same story and sometimes they have stories that are extremely unique to one and not the other. And some two of them might have it and the other two might not. Three of them might have it and the other one might not. Or all four of them might have a story about Jesus. But the thing is, I'm putting these small ones down here so you guys can understand and see that this is not just exclusive to one gospel. You guys can actually read the other gospels and get a little bit more context on what was going on with Jesus from the other gospel writers. Cool? So I just want to give you context as to why there's other books down there. It gives you more insight into that, okay? All right, that being said, we're going back to Mark 1. All right. After John was put in prison, uh, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired men and followed him. So here's the first beginning of Jesus' ministry. He goes out. He It's like, hey, I'm going to proclaim the good news. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. That's like right off the bat, he gets tempted in the desert, comes back, first declaration Jesus makes. The kingdom of God has come. I have come to proclaim the good news. Right off the bat, all right? And right after that, 
he actually establishes helpers, followers with him right after that. We see there's a, kind of an action-oriented thing. Jesus' first thing is proclaiming this message and following, having people to follow behind him. All right? Um, so Jesus kind of gets a team around to help him in the mission, a group of people that were interested in following him and living for God and actually following after the message that Jesus was sharing. So that being said, point number one is Jesus didn't do it alone. Point number one is Jesus didn't do it alone. Now, having a group of other believers in our lives is actually a really big help um, because having people that are also living the same faith that we have, people that are also living for God, is a huge part of our faith. Because for one, you know, if we think we can keep having our faith and keep doing our faith, but we're isolated from everybody, we're not sharing our faith, we're not talking to other people about what we're praying about or sharing what God's doing in our life or, or asking people to, to, to be praying for us or talking about things that God is doing in your life or things that you want God to do in your life. If, we're, if we keep our faith to ourselves and we don't share our faith with other believers, our faith isn't going to be nearly as strong. Because we are meant for community. God created us for community. We're not meant to be isolated and alone. And just like it talks about in Hebrews, that we're to spur each other on to good works. We're not to just, you know, do things on our own and be isolated. We're meant for community. Like Adam and Eve. Adam was lonely in the garden. So he gave Eve, God gave Eve to him to be a partner, a companion, to give him company, and also to help Adam. So from the very beginning of mankind, God had us in community, not only with him, but with each other. And this is a perfect example of one of the first things that Jesus does is he gets a group of people together. And it's not because that Jesus needed them. Jesus didn't need anybody. But what Jesus was doing was gathering a group of people together that were following him, that whenever Jesus was gone, whenever Jesus was going to eventually leave, they would have each other. Because at one point, they all had Jesus right there and they were following him. They got him. But when he's gone, they're going to need some support. They're going to need to help each other in their faith. And we'll see later on, but when Jesus, he dies and he's, you know, rises again, and they're like, dude, what the heck? What's going on? They're all together. They're gathered in the upper room because they don't have anybody else but each other. Jesus has physically left them and they don't know what else to do. So they gather together for strength to both mourn with each other and to also just pray together. So we see the value of community is from the very beginning, Jesus starts gathering his disciples. And so he names off four of these people, Simon, which is we also call Peter. Um, so there's Simon, Andrew, James, and John. And they're four of the 12 disciples that Jesus calls. Now, you know, you think about... Um, these group of people, you know, they, in your life, I want to encourage you guys to think about this, like, for us in our spirit communities, our spiritual communities, our Christian communities, we should be having people around us that are building each other up, that in, are encouraging us in our faith. And it shouldn't, and I'm not talking about just me, because I shouldn't be the one who's the only person who's encouraging me in your faith. You guys, each other, you should be encouraging each other in your guys' faith as well. And yes, we have fun and we hang out and play pool or, you know, play dodgeball and jazz. But like, you know, EJ found out that, you know, Emma lived in Las Vegas for a while. How many of you guys knew that? Two of you. There you go. Two out of all of you guys in this room. So, 
But that's we need to be able to share our lives with each other. Because the more we get to know each other and the more we build each other up, the more we can depend on each other to lean on each other for whenever we're weak in our faith, whenever we need some encouragement, when we need someone to, to go to for prayer, to go to just to say, hey, dude, I've had a rough week. Or, hey, this month has been going really bad for me. Together, we have a good godly community. And whenever we do that and we build each other up, our faith can be so much stronger, guys. But we have to have to commit to actually building each other up and not just leaving each other hanging, all right? You know, because Jesus didn't go alone and neither should we, all right? So his focus after that, or kind of in general, was really proclaiming the good news of God, which is in verse 14, you see in that thing, there's nothing, but um, bring us to our second point is that Jesus lived on mission. Jesus lived on mission, all right? His mission was very simple, straightforward from the start. It's the first thing he says, I have come to proclaim the good news of God, period. Like that's, that was his whole goal, everything he did. And you even see, we'll see it literally in the next little bit. He, his goal is to go and proclaim the good news because now this is, the, this is the thing that's changing the whole world. Jesus' arrival was the beginning of something changing, but now his ministry that he started when he was 30 years old for three years, this is the beginning of everything that Jesus is doing. Where all we read about in the Gospels and everything that changed starts whenever he begins his ministry right here. And that's his whole focus and all of it. And not only that, he gives this same charge to his disciples as well. He even tells them, I will send you out to fish for people. So not only does he carry that same conviction of, I need to go share the good news of God with people, he says, you guys are going to do the same thing. He tells his disciples, this is your charge. This is what we are going to do. If you are a disciple of mine, you are going out and reaching people. And hate to break it to you guys, but we also have that same thing too. <laughs> if we're followers of Christ, we still have that same charge to go and share the good news. Our, our, our focus and our motto for the youth group that we have, does anybody remember it? I'm going to talk about it all the time. It's two things. To know Christ and to make Christ known. To know Christ is one. To make Christ known is the other. All right? Those are, those, are, those are the two things we always do. Everything we're doing. To know Christ and to make Christ known. And Jesus pointing out, very, even the very beginning, he his, makes his message clear and he gives the same message to his disciples. I'm going to go proclaim the good news, and you guys are going to go fish for people. You guys are going to go reach people with that same message, right? So that leads us to Mark 21 through 28, all right? <clears throat> so it says, they went, to, uh, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to preach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them with one, uh, as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus says sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all amazed as they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News of him has spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So, it's really just leave it up there for just a little bit. Um, so it's interesting. Um, 
Have you guys ever had a time where someone like asks you to do something um, and you know, like maybe by your parents or a family or a teacher or something like that, and you weren't like super confident in it, but they're like, hey, just go do this. You guys ever had that before? Yeah. yeah? Many times. Yeah. It's, it actually kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie. Um, so, you know, like it's like you kind of know what you're doing. Like you kind of understand what they want you to do, but you've never really done it before or you've only done it a few times and you're like, you expect me to do this? Like I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Um, and it's kind of rough, you know. Um, so growing up on my street, uh, my childhood home, so I lived on Cagua, by the way, uh, the street name. But I lived on Cagua and like literally at the end of the street, um, there was a McDonald's. I grew up, I could literally like walk out to the sidewalk from my house, mm-hmm. turn left and see the drive-in sign. I was like, that's how <laughs> close it was. I could like, it says, hey, welcome. That's how close I was to the McDonald's, right? So I grew up going to the McDonald's all the time. I loved McDonald's. I practically grew up in McDonald's and pizza, by the way, and fish sticks. My mom will tell you that. Pizza, pizza and fish sticks were the two things I ate a lot. Um, I still love fish sticks and pizza because they're delicious. But anyways, um, so I grew up. <laughs> down the street from McDonald's, right? So one day, my grandpa and I are working out, um, not working out, but like we're working in the front yard outside of my house. Um, and it's early in the morning, we hadn't had breakfast yet. And so he goes, hey, he goes, you guys hungry? I was like, yeah, sure. He goes, okay. And he takes out his keys, he got some money. And he goes, Hito, go, go, go to McDonald's and get us some breakfast burritos. And he just handed me his keys and like $10. I was like, all right, go get it. Now, at the time, I was like 14. <laughs> and granted, I'm like, I could just walk. But he's yeah. like, no, no, no. That's gonna, he's like, it's going to take way too long to take the truck. So I don't have a license. You don't have a permit. Yeah, I don't have a license. I don't have a permit. I haven't taken driver's classes. And I've never even driven my grandpa's truck on, like, with him either. So not only that, I haven't even driven his car ever. And yet he was like, oh, you could figure it out, right? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so like, I kind of get in and I like, you know, start the car and I'm like, okay. So I don't know, but like, so driving, just driving in a car, if you've never driven one, like just driving on a street, you're like, okay, you've never done this. You don't really know how it works. But not only had I not driven this car just on the street in general, I had never been through a drive-thru before. Oh, so, no. and so I hadn't been through a drive-through, haven't driven before, don't have my license, but for whatever reason, he was like, you got this. Long story short, it didn't turn out well. I was in the, I mean, like I didn't hit anybody. I didn't crash anything. Um, but like, so I went through the drive-through and I didn't realize that like when you're in a car, you have to hold on the brake. Oh, yeah. So like, if you like let off the brake, it rolls forward. And yeah, so like, yeah. so I was like literally like in the driveway, I'm at the window. I'd already ordered. I I'd, like, and she goes, Hey, um, you know, like it'll be, you know, X amount of dollars. I was like, okay. I took my foot off the brake and I start rolling. I was like, Oh, and I was like, Oh, Oh, and I saw and I, like, the window slowly going farther and farther behind me. So I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I literally like, I just put it in park because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. So then I, like, I just put it in park and I'm like reaching back. And I'm like, okay, take the money. And I'm like, it's like the worst thing ever. And then not only that, so the driveway actually exits out into the main street. So it's not like a residential area. It's like onto a main street that you have to go out on. Like, so even if I like went out the other side exit, it still goes out to the main street. So I was like, oh my gosh. So not only did I mess everything up in the drive-thru, almost hit the person in front of me. I didn't, thankfully. But 
I ended up like as I was leaving, there's traffic turning right into the intersection right next to me. So then I'm like, oh, and I almost hit somebody. And it was like this terrible thing. And I'm going like 10 miles an hour because I was like just trying to not hit anything. It was the worst. It was First the worst all, experience. It was over. it was insane. So it was just it's a crazy, crazy, crazy thing. Now, True. eventually I got back home, parked the truck horribly outside the house, and my mom was livid. She's like, what are you doing? How did you, know? you don't drive. And she like yells at my grandpa and he's like, ah. <laughs> just complete, completely ridiculous situation, right? Oh my goodness. And my grandpa was like, you got this. And I was like, I don't. Um, now, that being said, Should I think we, we've all been in similar situations. Maybe not to that extent or that crazy, but we've all been in similar situations where you have a little bit of experience with what you're doing, but you don't fully know, right? Right. And that's a little bit of how like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law at the time in the Old Testament were with God's word. They knew about it. They had some experience, but they didn't have all the answers. They didn't have all the clarity. And so they had a basis of, I kind of know what I'm doing. But they didn't fully figure it out. And so when they were teaching the people, they were kind of like, hey, God's word says this, and there's this prophecy, and we pretty much know that little bit. And you're like, okay, great. Thank the Lord. He's good. He's faithful. We're looking to our Messiah, looking to the future kingdom. That's literally like the people were looking forward to the coming Messiah and God's kingdom coming. They, they, they were waiting for that. But the teachers of the law didn't know when it was and how it was going to happen or who it was going to be. But the thing is, Jesus is God in the flesh, right? He is God, and they're teaching from God's word. And so Jesus shows up as like, you know, my grandpa's driven his truck before, and he's driven through a million drive throughs And when he gets in his truck, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to go there. He knows how hard to brake, how hard to accelerate. He looks for traffic, and there's no pressure on him because he already knows exactly what he's doing. Where did you it doesn't matter. But the thing is, the similar thing with Jesus. He, he, he looks at his word. It is his teaching. This is God's own word, and he is teaching his words to the people, and he's teaching them with clarity and authority because he's not guessing at what it means. He's bringing light to something that wasn't fully illuminated. He made things clear for the people, and the people are like, oh my gosh, this new teaching. He teaches with authority. He's not guessing at anything. He knows exactly what he's talking about. He has something that obviously the rest of our teachers don't. There was a recognition that the teachers were kind of fumbling a little bit. They didn't fully know everything. But this guy, Jesus, who just showed up in the synagogue teaching everybody, he knew his stuff. He knew exactly what he was doing. And it's interesting because, you know, even the Jewish teachers of today, so people that are Jews that, you know, obviously don't believe in, in Jesus, but they still believe in the Old Testament. They're waiting for their Messiah. Um, they're almost, they teach almost, and they talk about God's word like uh, philosophy. They'll sit and debate what God's word really means. They don't have a set in stone thing of what always looks like. They'll look at a passage and say, well, what was Isaiah meaning when he talked about this? Or what was, what is God trying to say in this? What, how does that affect us today? Is, you know, is that important as this? And so they'll start kind of, they'll go back and forth with each other. They'll, they'll kind of debate what God's word actually says. They'll sit around and talk about it for hours but not really come to any solid conclusions because the, you know Jewish people, they don't try and assume what they know what God is saying. They're just trying to make their best guess at it. And similarly, at the time, I'm sure it was very similar. These teachers were trying to make the best guess they could out of God's word at the time. And Jesus comes in the scene and is like, dude, this is what it really means. And it's really cool because not only does he clear all that up, 
and this new teaching that he talks about is about the new kingdom and the Messiah coming. He also shows that it's not just the wisdom that he speaks with, that it's just, it's just a knowledge, but he demonstrates his own power in that situation and directly after with the demon-possessed man. It shows that he has power over the impure spirit, a demon. And it shows that Jesus' words weren't just wise, but that he carried divine authority. Jesus showed up on the scene and was like, not only do I know what I'm talking about, I have authority even over the demons of this world. They answer to me. And it was a testament to how powerful and how amazing God is and how Jesus is God in the flesh. No one has power over spirits except God who is greater than the spirits, right? I can't command anything because I'm not worthy of anything, but God can. God's the one who has that power. He's the one who can overthrow and direct anything because he's above all. So, uh, that being said, we're going to go after the next passage in Mark 1, uh, 27 through 39. There you go. So the people were also amazed. This is the end of the previous chapter, previous verse. But it says, the people were also amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. Now news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever had left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought Jesus, brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, "Everyone is looking for you, Jesus! Uh, everyone is looking for you." Jesus replied, "Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come." So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So, like we talked about, guys, Mark's gospel is all about Jesus doing and serving and. It's very action-oriented. He, he's always doing something. He's always serving somebody. He's always helping people. And we're going to see a lot of that. You know, Jesus healed. He d- drove out. He declared. He raised up. Uh, because Jesus not only spoke the truth of God, but his actions revealed the truth of who he was. And really the best way to look at it is that Jesus followed up his words with action. There you go. Jesus followed up his words with action. So obviously, you could see the, the divine authority that Jesus carried. He, he spoke with authority, but he followed that up to prove the authority that he had as well in those moments. Not, not that he needed to justify himself to anybody, but it talks about in other parts where Jesus says, like, the evidence of who I am is in what I've done. If you look at my actions, I believe it's in John, you're like, the evidence of my authority is in what I've done alone. I don't need to testify or call in any higher authority because I've gone my own authority is what I'm calling on. And my actions prove my authority. And so Jesus follows up this, these amazing teachings and all these other times with the action that shows he is God. He is who he says he is. He's not just doing one thing and not following up. He, he's giving the full, complete picture to people. 
And we can see clearly that Jesus talked the talk and walked the walk and was quick to serve those in need. But his sole focus and his goal was always to preach the gospel, uh, to pe- uh, preach the, to the people God's message. Um, as it says in Mark 38 and 39, bam. Um, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else um, to the nearby villages. For what? So I can preach there also. That is why I have come. His, his intention was always to share. His intention was always to go and give people the message, the gospel. The fact that Jesus, the Messiah, has come. His whole intention was to share that message with everybody. To let people know the truth that God has come to the earth. The Messiah has arrived. The advent of Christ, if you would like to put it that way. So Jesus shows us that when we put our faith in him, one, that we must live with intentionality. That we must all remember that we have a calling in our life as children of God, as his disciples, as people that are little Christs, Christians out in the world. As a Christian, we have a call in our life and we need to live intentionally because Jesus also lived intentionally. His goal, his focus was always to go and preach to those around him, to be able to share the good news of God with others. So we need, we must live with intentionality as Christians. Not only that, we should not do so alone and we can't do it alone. If we think that, hey, I don't really need to share my faith with anybody, or I don't even need to talk to other Christians too much, like we all know we're Christians, I don't need to share too much with anybody else, that's not really going to help you very much. Because if you get in that habit now of not sharing your faith and not having a godly community with each other now, when you guys get older and you're out of here, it becomes so much harder to find anybody to share your faith with, to have a godly Christian community around you. Because you know, I'll tell you, there's like, you know, some students that I met with recently that were talking to me about, you know, they didn't really do that here. And it took somebody else bringing them along just so they could find that. And they have friends and siblings, actually, that are struggling to be able to find good, tight, godly community. Because they didn't really have a good, tight community here. And then whenever they left, wherever they're at right now, they're struggling with that right now because they don't have people to share their faith with. They don't have fellow Christians to relate to. And so for us, if we are not building each other up and sharing our faith with each other as Christians, it's going to set us up for failure and set us up for a hard road later on. So we as Christians, we need to be bold enough in our faith to be able to share with each other, to ask each other for prayer. To ask each other, what, what's God doing in your life? What are you reading? What are you praying about? How can I pray for you? We, as Christians, need to be building each other up. Because Jesus set that precedent for the disciples to be there for each other. And we, too, should be living that way. And that will also help us to live intentionally for God. And lastly, we need to also remember that our words, as Christians, need to be followed up with action as well. Because... Jesus talked the talk, but he also walked the walk. And I think a lot of Christians talk the talk. A lot of people that aren't Christians talk the talk. (laughs) Hey guys, so unfortunately uh, I've been having some recording issues. uh, Figured it out later, but these recordings that we had 
ended up getting cut short in towards the end of the lesson. But point being, as you guys might pick up, is that we need to have fellowship with other believers. And not only that, we need to follow up our words with actions just like Jesus did and live with intentionality when we're doing so like Jesus did because he is our ultimate example. So I hope each and every one of us can find some good godly community that helps us to live with intentionality, that encourages us to grow in our faith, that allows us to have the boldness to be able to share that faith with those who are not believers and continue to look to Jesus' example of walking by faith and walking the walk as we talk the talk as believers. So have a great day, afternoon, evening, morning, whenever, wherever you're listening to it. Pray that you are encouraged and blessed.